0: about the cross again this morning before we begin next Sunday a series from Acts on God's actors from the book of Acts. We start with Peter on Father's Day, a message titled The Courage of Peter. We're going to take several characters from Acts and see what they were really like, what made them tick. So we come to the second message in this very brief series on the cross this morning, the power and promise of the cross. In the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, the 18th verse, we read again, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are outside, to those who are perishing, those who aren't interested in what we're doing here today. To them, this whole thing is foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And how exciting that statement is. To those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What is the message of the cross? Then on down in the passage, verse 23, he said, we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. To the Greeks, foolishness. Now, we agree with that. We see that. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The cross, it's an enigma. People wear it around their necks. They, Some of them have the cross symbol in their car or their home, in hospitals. You see the cross on buildings. We have it out here on our tower. We have it out here on the nose of our building. That's a massive gold cross to remind people that it is through the cross of Jesus Christ that men are saved, that you perish without the cross. In a book entitled Gospel Ethnology, which is the science of dealing with various races of people and their culture, It has been proven, as I mentioned last week, that over the last 200 years, the thing that has penetrated heathenism and darkness in other lands is the message of the cross. Nothing else has done it. Not the teaching of agriculture, not trying to get them to improve their lifestyle. It has not worked. They would rather do what they're doing, except when they hear the message of the cross then their culture begins to change. And so we come today to the old, old story of the cross. The cross to them that perish is foolishness, but to us it is the power of God. First of all, the cross has power to draw men to Christ. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And he was. He was lifted up on a cross. And now we lift him up in worship and praise. And as that happens, men are drawn to him. I was reading in a manufacturing magazine about a company who developed a massive magnet. It was so huge that it had to be handled by a crane. And they wanted to test this magnet And so they went out over their grounds with this magnet dangling from the crane. And would you believe that all over those grounds, metal leaped from the ground that could not even be seen. Some of it below the ground that leaped from the ground up to that magnet. It was so powerful in its force. As I read that, I thought, well, that's exactly what the cross is. The cross is like a magnet. It draws men. It wins men. From the field of art, the greatest painters have used Jesus as their theme as they have been attracted by the cross. From the field of music, the greatest music has been centered in Jesus Christ just as the song we have heard a few moments ago. From the field of literature, the greatest poets and authors have written about Jesus Christ from every type of life, from the poor, the rich, the high and the low, the black man, the rich man, the red man, the brown man, the yellow man, the white man. It does not matter from all of these stratas. Men have been attracted to Jesus Christ and out of that has come the greatest of whatever it is you want to talk about. If Christ draws all men then why are not men saved, all men saved? And the reason is because he never forces anyone. It's not a picture of him behind people pushing them, but it is the picture of the cross drawing men like a magnet, attracting men to what took place there on that place of sacrifice. Not only does the cross draw, but the cross saves men. That's the second step in our study of the cross this morning. Paul, who wrote these words, was breathing out threatenings to the church. He was mad, angry, upset with this message of the cross. But on the way to Damascus in Acts 9, he was confronted by the cross. And as he was, he received it, he embraced it. And he was changed. And now he writes the message of the cross to them who are perishing is foolishness, but unto us who are being saved. It is the power of God. It changed him as nothing else could do. Mary Magdalene, Luke chapter 7, seven demons. Jesus cast those demons out of her and now she bows her knee and wipes his feet with her hair, a beautiful symbol of servanthood. A woman who was once bound and feathered by demons is now a servant of the Lord Jesus, totally raptured by the cross and the Christ of that cross. The woman by the well in John 4 is another example of the attraction of Christ and the cross. She had been married to five men, kind of the Liz Taylor of her day. And she was living with the sixth man at that time. And now she meets the seventh man, his name Jesus, different than any other man she had ever met. Now this man says to her, I have water to drink that you know not of. And this intrigued her. She thought, well, who is this person and what kind of water is this? We have been drinking from this well for years. It goes way back to my fathers who dug this well. Who are you and what kind of water do you have? And Jesus explained to her, what this water was, and they that worship me, he said, must worship me in spirit and in truth, and she took a drink of that water, and she was never the same again. She went into town telling about the seventh man in her life, and they were interested because they knew all about her men. Ah, another man. Oh, she said, this man is different than any man that I've ever met. Come on with me, and I'll show you him, and I want you to hear what he has to say. And they followed her out of the village, and there Jesus expounded to them about water that if one would drink of would never thirst again. Hallelujah. Attracted by this magnetic individual. Mel Trotter went down into the depths of sin and became a drunkard in Chicago. When his baby died, he knelt by the little white casket and vowed that he would never take another drink. But a few hours later, he stole the shoes from the little baby's feet inside the casket and sold them for a drink. It so bothered him what he had done that he made his way toward Lake Michigan, intending to take his life. He was such a despot, he said there's no use living after this horrible act. And on his way to Lake Michigan to kill himself, a loving hand pulled him into a mission station on a street in Chicago, and Mel Trotter was marvelously saved. And if you know anything about Mel Trotter, you will know that out of this man's conversion and attractiveness to Jesus Christ, he led hundreds and hundreds of people to the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross made the difference in his life. The name Yongi Cho may mean something to many of you. He's preached in our church—not the new one, but the old one. Great man of God, Yongi Cho from childhood, had prayed to Buddha. He had been taught the difficult lessons of the Buddhist philosophy. When the Korean War broke out, he traveled south to Busan. Money and food became extremely scarce, one meal a day if he was lucky. Working hard, one day blood came up and filled his mouth. Soon it was coming from his nose and he struggled to keep from choking He lapsed into unconsciousness. When he came to, Yonggi Cho was soaked in blood. He finally reached home. By morning, he was more dead than he was alive. The doctor was summoned. X-rays were taken. He was told, you have less than a month to live. Your right lung is completely destroyed by tuberculosis. The upper part had collapsed. Gangrene had already set in. The left lung was also tubercular. Malnutrition and hard work caused his heart to enlarge, which was causing him immense pain. This was his condition as a young Korean boy. His father tried to reassure him. He said, my son, there is no life and no death, no joy and no sorrow. Only in Buddha is there reality. Forget about life and death and have peace. Now, isn't that ridiculous? When you really think about it, forget about life and death and have peace. Cho protested. He said to his father, the blood that I am vomiting is real. My suffering is real. Buddha and your philosophies have not helped me. I reject them all. Which, of course, caused rejection by his family. One day as he lay dying... Fear and desperation overcame him, and he cried out, Is there any God? Is there anyone who can help me? If there is a God, can you come, please, and help me? I want to be made ready to die. He had no more than prayed that prayer when there was a knock on his door and entering was a little Korean girl carrying a Bible. I want to just mention now, lest I forget, that this little lady has never been found. Dr. Cho has never been able to find this girl through all of these years. He does not know who she is, where she came from, or if she is still alive today. He was stunned as she entered his room because in the Korean culture, women are not forward and men dislike being taught by women. But she entered. He arrogantly ordered her to leave. But she said, I can see that you are dying and I want to tell you about Jesus Christ, my Savior. He became exceedingly angry and cursed her He told her that there were millions of tuberculosis germs flying around in the air and that she would become infected. She only replied, my Christ will protect me, and continued to witness to him. Finally, she left and Cho said, bless Buddha, she's gone. But the following morning, she was back. She sang some songs and read aloud from the Bible that she had brought. Joe cursed and called her a Christian dog, but she did nothing against him. All she did was talk of Jesus Christ. On the fifth day, he asked her why she continued to come and pray for him. She said, there is someone who constrains me to come here and pray for you. Who is it, he said. My Jesus, she answered as the tears rolled down her cheeks. Suddenly Cho's obstinacy was broken, and he too began to cry. "'Your Jesus, I want to know,' he said. She gave him her Bible and left, never to be seen again by Cho. He read that book. He read of Jesus healing the sick and of his dying. He read of the cross. Though that girl never returned to tell him about Jesus, He felt so compelled by what he read that in his weakness he got out of bed, made his way to the street, was led to a mission where he heard Assembly of God Missionary Lewis Richards. As he heard the story told, he came forward to receive Christ. As he prayed, a great peace came down over his life and he was filled with joy. He did not know that joy could come up much like that blood had come up. And he thought he was going to vomit blood again. He felt something within. But it was the joy of the Lord, and it just burst forth in great showers of blessing. Then he got to thinking, if I walk this road, my father and my mother will reject me forever. Missionary Richards opened the Bible to Psalm 29, 10, and said, this is what God says to you, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. He thought of going to the mountains to wait for death. But Brother Richards told him that the word of God has tremendous creative power. He took the Bible back home, went into his room to pray. Jesus, he said, I want to meet you and have a consultation about my future. He waited for Christ to come, but nothing happened. He shut his eyes very tightly, hoping he might come in a vision, but no vision appeared. He prayed all day. When night fell, he was soaked with perspiration. Still he prayed. After midnight, the strength had left his body, and he lay down to rest. When he did, the room became bright with light. Billions of Light rays seemed to be emanating through that little room of his. He thought smoke was rolling in to his room. He thought surely the house was on fire, and he tried to call for help, but nothing would come out of his mouth. In desperation, he looked about, and when he looked beside him, he saw two feet standing by his bed. He looked up higher and saw a white robe Then he looked into a face that was like a powerful sun with rays of light going outward. Still he did not know who he was until he saw the crown of thorns resting upon his head. Then he knew it was this Jesus. His gods had always been gods of curses and of fear. Always he had gone into their temples to beg them not to punish him. But Jesus was different. He felt his love. And all the fear left him, glorious joy came from his inner being, his tongue and lips began to speak, he spoke and he spoke, he forgot about the pain in his heart and his lungs as he ran out from his house into the street to witness of Jesus Christ. Suddenly he realized he was no longer suffering from heart pain and short breath. He was absolutely and completely healed of every ailment. He went to the hospital for a checkup and they found no problem whatsoever in his body. This Christ of the cross saved him, healed him. And today Dr. Cho is the pastor of the world's largest church. By the end of 1985, it is anticipated that there will be one half million members in the full Gospel Central Church in Seoul, Korea, which Pastor Cho is the senior pastor of. This August, they will dedicate their new 30,000-seat sanctuary. They went from 10,000 to 30,000. I preached there once. I'll tell you what an experience. I was standing at the door with Dr. Cho as the people filed out by the hundreds and hundreds. And I looked beyond those lines and saw lines coming in for the next service. And then it suddenly occurred to me I had to go in and do it again. And I was already exhausted from the excitement of just being there. They line up for blocks waiting to file in for the next service. They just run service after service after service, taking care of the thousands and thousands of people who have met the Lord because of the transformed life of a Yonggi Cho who was dying as a teenager, not knowing there was a God who loved him. Oh, the power of the cross. It saves men, changes them. Thirdly, the cross has power to mold character. Most of us here today, I suppose, have met Jesus personally. At some time or another, we have said, Jesus, come into my life. But we know that there's another step that's needed, and that is for him to mold us into his perfect character. You know the cross has power to do that. That's why Paul wrote so much about the cross, because he felt it was the cross that molded him into the image of the Lord Jesus. I am crucified with Christ, he said. The problem that I see today is that we've become so accustomed to ease the easy boy, lazy boy chair idea, the plush furniture and the interiors of our automobiles. We have a comfort zone that we like to accommodate. But we don't like the cross life. We wouldn't like to think of having to do what Jesus did when he said, the birds of the air have nests, and the foxes have holes, but I don't have anywhere to lay my head. And we say, oh no, I couldn't stand that. We want comfortability. We don't like the idea of the cross life, but Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. And that's when character starts happening when we're willing to do that. Michelangelo found a block of marble that had been discarded, and out of that block of marble, he created the statue of David. It wasn't even useful in other people's eyes, but to Michelangelo, he saw David in it, and that's what it became. That's what God sees in us through the cross. He finds our miserable characters. He finds us in our sin, our separation. And he introduces us through the magnetism of the cross to Jesus. And he changes us like he did Mel Trotter, like he did Cho Yong Gi. And I am so grateful he has power to do that. But friends, we cannot stop with the blessing of just being saved with the blessing of just being a Christian. He wants us to touch our world. He wants us to be an evangelist. He wants us to let his light shine through us, like Livingston when he went to Africa. The greatest atheist of London was Henry Stanley. He went out to find Livingston, walked by his side, watched him work, felt the impact of his Christian spirit. Something happened to the atheist from London. When he, later on, was a Christian, he said, Livingston converted me, although he didn't seek to do so. When Stanley was dying, he said to his wife, Do not weep, we will meet again. The power of Christ changed Livingston and changed Stanley through Livingston. That's the cross life. That's the molding of character that the world needs to see. They're not so impressed with our buildings. They're not so impressed with our abilities as they are impressed with the change and the glow that comes through the character of Jesus in us. So that the boss calls us into his office and says, Tell me what's different about you. You're different than any other employee in this agency. You take the allotted amount of time for a break and you're back on the job. You're there early in the morning before it is required for you to be there. You do your job well. And the thing that bugs me the most is you're always smiling. What is it you know that I don't know? And that person with the magnetism of the cross at work says it's Jesus. Jesus. It's Jesus in me. He makes the difference. And another one is drawn through the cross life of a believer into the very presence of Jesus. That's how society will be won. That's how churches will grow. It's through our character being molded by the character of Jesus through the cross. Are you willing to accept that walk? that cross walk. Fourthly, the cross has power to send men into service. The love of money inspires some to do certain things. The love of country inspires others. The love of Christ inspires yet others to serve God wherever he calls them. We are at graduation time. It is a time when people are thinking of the future, particularly young people. What will I do with my life? May I suggest to you today, the cross is a good place to come to discover where God wants you in this world. I do not know where he wants you, but he knows, and he's able to position you as you come to that cross. See Jesus, they're dying for you, and be pulled to his heart and say, I want to touch others with his magnetism. Adoniram Judson was offered a fine pulpit in New England, but as he stood near the cross, he was inspired to give his life for Jesus in Burma. William Carey lived in England, but in his mind, he could see the smoke of a thousand villages in Africa where the name of Christ had never been mentioned, and he touched Africa. May the love of Christ and the power of the cross draw some of us today to a place of dedicated service. We look so often at the fads of our time, and we think, if I could just get involved in that fad, I think my life would be full. Well, all we need do is look back and consider Jimi Hendrix and Elvis Presley and Bellucci and John Lennon and say, are the fads what will really satisfy? They're all gone! But Jesus Christ is still here, and the power of His cross is still here. It's not a fad that we need. It is to be caught up in the rapture of that event and what it can do to our world. Are you willing, friends, to come to the cross, be crucified with Christ, and yet be really alive? In prayer two Fridays ago, I felt an impression, strong impression. I shared it with the staff, the board members that were there, and then with the men at our men's meeting a week ago yesterday. The words that came to me were these, the rescue squad. And as I thought of the words that were coming to me with force, the rescue squad. I began to see our two yellow buses out there that are not used on Sundays. And I began to see the skid roads of Sacramento and O'Neill Park where we play ball once in a while and see the winos laying all over the grass and the sidewalk, wheeling their little carts up and down, picking up whatever they can find. And then it came to me. This is what God was saying to the largest Protestant church in Sacramento with the finest facilities of any church up and down the coast. We've got to go where they are and call for a rescue squad to come and help them. I saw men and women arising from their beds on Sunday morning coming to the church to rev up those yellow buses and going with their fellow rescue squad members to O'Neill Park or down Broadway or wherever and bring them in from the fields of sin. That's what the cross life will do for us. We sit here in our comfortability and our refinement and thank God for His blessings. It's not wrong. It is only wrong when we do not use the blessings He has brought our way to go out into the fields of sin and bring them into where they can eat and where they can drink and where they can find sustenance. Neighbor, if God is speaking to you about the rescue squad, He said to me, don't try to organize it, just announce it. And let me organize it through their hearts, through their spirits, as they come to the cross and recognize it's the cross that calls men into service. So often we hear people say, there's nothing around here for me to do. Friend, it should never be. There's a world that's hurting, and it's not the latest fad that will help them. It is only the cross of Jesus Christ that will help them. And that is our mission That is what we are going to do. Let that cross appeal to you in the area of service. You saw these pictures today of these beautiful children that God has put under our care. Some of them don't have fathers. Some of you men need to get out of the comfortable pew, get on the carpet in some of these little classrooms and just talk to kids, be a father to them. Some of you ladies that have said, Oh, I raised my family, that's enough. Let's, let's not be selfish. Let's not that let that selfish spirit creep in. Let us let the cross life take over. We're never done until God calls us home. We're to serve until Jesus comes. Occupy till I come. There are no vacations. There are no leaves of absence. It is occupy until I come. And when we see the cross, we'll understand and we'll keep busy. Using whatever God puts in our hands until He returns. And finally, it is the cross which is glorious in its future promise. Jesus said, I am the door. Our hope of heaven centers on a man who died on that cross. What do you do when someone is giving a great concert and you want to attend? You know that the concert is going to be in a certain place, you buy a ticket. You enter the hall where the concert is to be given for the entertainment. It's the same way about heaven. You know that it is there. There's no question about it. You prepare for it by coming to Christ. He is your ticket. Then one day the door will open and you will enter into his holy presence. Graduation, we call it. And what a day. Oh, what a day it's going to be. It could never have been without the cross. The cross is to them that perish, what? Foolishness. But unto us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It has power to draw men to Christ, power to save men, power to mold character, power to send us into service, power in its future promise. We are winners all the way because we have embraced the cross. It's God's answer. It's God's way. It's God's hope for tomorrow. I read of a woman who was lost in the forest. She had struggled for hours to find her way out of the forest and had not succeeded. In her search for a way out, she came across another man, and she was so thrilled and excited to see another human being, only to learn that he too was lost. She said, what shall we do? He said, well, don't go the way that I have gone, for it will not lead you out. Why don't we join hands and find the way together? And the two of them did, not traveling those old roads that they would already gone on, but finding a new road which led them out and home. That's the cross. It's foolishness to the world as they wander around in the labyrinth of life, trying to find a way, saying it's foolishness, this other road, when in fact it's the road that leads out and into blessing and victory. The songwriter sat down with that thought in mind and wrote, the way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. I'm speaking to two groups of people today. One group that needs to come to Christ initially and acknowledge Him as Savior and Lord of your life. You need to repent of your sin and embrace Christ. The second group, those believers among us who are living pretty much for self and not for others, who need to get the order correct, Jesus first, others next, and ourselves last. The cross will reveal the importance of that, the power of that. It will reveal the thrill of that. Will you embrace it today? Don't sit on the sidelines looking on. Bud Wilkinson once described a football game this way, the great coach. He said it's 22 men on the field who desperately need rest, with 50,000 people in the stands who desperately need exercise. And sometimes the church is like that. It's a few folk up here who desperately need rest and hundreds of people out there who desperately need exercise spiritually. Involvement, service, it's the cross that makes the difference. And you see it, embrace it, you'll never be the same again. To the world it's foolishness, but to those who are being saved, what is it? It is the power of God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity afforded again today to share the word. How exciting it is to be here together and to feel the power of God in this building. To sense your presence. Now we pray that in these next few moments, which are the most important moments of this service, that people will respond by coming to the cross. People who need Christ in their lives, that they will say, I'm ready. Christians who need to get involved will say, I'm ready, I want to do it. I'm going to embrace the cross and live that separated, sanctified life that reaches out to a needy world. While our heads are bowed and we are in prayer together, may I ask how many of you in this service would like to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. You have not received him. You know if you die died today, you would not go to heaven because Christ does not live in your heart. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a man in right standing with God avails much. I want to pray for you. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, I want Christ. I do need him. Thank you, sir. God bless you for your boldness. Thank you right here, ma'am. You may put your hands down once I've seen them. Others, raise them up. I'm coming to Jesus. I know I need him as my Savior and Lord. Thank you up there in the balcony. God bless you there. Raise them up. Keep them there till I see them. God bless you. Thank you, sir. And again back there. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Are there others? I want Jesus in my life. Yes, thank you. In the back, I see your hand straight back. And again, over here, two hands to my right. God bless you. And another on my right, way over. Thank you. Praise God. How many Christians would say, Pastor, I I need to embrace the cross more than I've done. And I know it leads into service. And I want God to shake me loose out of complacency. I want to touch somebody else. As the cross life is a part of me, I believe that will happen Would you like to raise your hand just to say, I'd like to be included in prayer today? Yes, 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 yes. So many throughout the building. God bless you. God bless you. Jesus, you've seen all these hands. Touch those who are coming to you now for the first time. Enter their lives. Forgive them of their sin. May Jesus be real to them, and they will know that this was their spiritual birthday, June 9, 1985. And the others that raised their hands, saying, I want to embrace the cross life, let them find in that great fulfillment, and let others be blessed because of it. Give them the strength, we pray, to follow through. We come to you, Jesus, because we're weak, but you are strength. Touch us.